This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hi again, everybody. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report. I'm Sean Kelly reporting from Studio B at the Osher Sports Performance Center. This is the Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report, which means David Wesley will stop by. More on that in a moment. Happy anniversary, everybody. Daniel Salerson just reminded me that today is the anniversary of the Saints winning the Super Bowl. So there you go. Eight years ago today, pretty significant moment in this franchise's history from Miami, Florida. So good stuff. And uh, speaking of Saints football, we're going to talk today with Mike Triplett from ESPN.com. He is the uh, Saints correspondent for basically their NFL coverage and uh, one of our favorites to talk to. We'll get into a little way too early Saints talk here today and uh, kind of work toward the uh, offseason calendar that, gosh, really is not days away, weeks away, I guess. If I'm going to mark the combine as the start, we'll go with that, so. Uh, Mike Triplett today. And then, as I mentioned at the top, David Wesley uh, uh, from Fox Sports New Orleans on a Wesley Wednesday here as the Pelicans are wrapping up a home stand tonight, need to snap a home losing streak tonight, are taking on a very good Indiana team tonight, and got to get back on track. A loss tonight could mean the Pelicans are on the outside looking into the Western Conference playoff standings. A win bumps them up a spike probably as they head out east for games at Philly, Brooklyn, and Detroit upcoming. So we'll, uh, we'll check that out. As the Pelicans again, one and four now in their last five games since the Demarcus Cousins injury, they are 28 and 25 overall. So, uh, other than that, uh, continue doing your anti-rain dance uh, today. Obviously, as you all know, here in New Orleans, basically starts uh, Parade of Palooza. <laughs> There's two two tonight, and uh, parades now for the next seven days. Uh, and look, I know how much goes into all this, so. I'm, I'm wishing along with you weather-wise, no doubt about it, no doubt about it. So, all right, thanks for having us along today. Get ready. Two good conversations here, one on the Pelican side with David Wesley, then Mike Triplett talking Saints football after these messages. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top-quality ingredients, it would grow to become something that connected us. The neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe. Original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more. And always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. Now, Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. It is a Wesley Wednesday here on the Black and Blue Report. We continue with our favorite television analyst, David Wesley from Fox Sports New Orleans. He's kind enough to join us on the telephone here today as the Pelicans get set to take on the Indiana Pacers tonight. 
David, the roller coaster ride that is this team and our Wesley Wednesday visits continues as New Orleans is now one and four in their last five games. Ouch. It is ouch. And, you know, and they were in such a good rhythm before Boogie goes out. And you're, you're hoping it doesn't take time, but clearly it's going to take some time to figure out what it is they can do to get wins. And while they played a really good game against Oklahoma City, the other four have not been very good at all. Um, and it's disappointing because, you know, they, they started doing what they needed to do, started separating themselves from the 500 mark. Um, and since then, they've pretty much given it all back. So They're, they're, they're scoring, David, right now 107.2 points per game in the last five which is only three points off of what they average per game, you know, prior to these last five. But, man, the number that jumps out at you is that they've allowed 115.4 points to their opponents. From 111. Yeah. Yes. And it doesn't sound like a whole lot, but it is significant, and it is significant because, uh, you know, they're giving up they're giving up points in bunches at times. Um which is kind of scary because they gave this Indiana team coming in, they gave them 75 in the first half, the first time they, they faced it. And if they're having those kind of defensive problems, watch out. This could be a, a real tough one. Um, they gave up 133 to Utah. Um, also, I think they had a 70-point quarter, so or a 70-point half. It's tough to win like that, you know, and the scoring is not consistent. You know, guys – one guy, you know, one night I have – the most consistent is Drew Holiday. Other than that, and, and Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis has to get in his mind that I can't take six shots and a half, seven shots and a half. I can't do it. I got to get 10 to 12 shots per half minimum. They got to go to him. He's got to be aggressive. He's got to use his energy and effort to lead this team, but it's going to be through his scoring and rebounding and defense. It's a tough, it's a tough ask, but that's why you get paid the big bucks. How will Nico Miritich help, David? Well, you know, you see in the in the um, in his first game, really good. Even though they didn't win it, he played well. Um, but he's going to be—he's going to be a piece. He's going to be one of those guys that he's not necessarily going to affect the game. He's going to do his job, and the better he can do his job, um, you know, the better the team will be. You know, he goes from a double-double to, you know, five points three rebounds, um, which is probably kind of what you can expect from him. Um, He's not going to kill it every night. He's not going to shoot it great every night. But there are going to be times when he gets hot. There are going to be times when he's more active. As is a lot of the guys, you know, um, Equan Moore. He's pretty consistent, but he doesn't get shots every night. So, therefore, some nights he's up, some nights he's down. Uh, Miller, another one. So you can't really say you're going to get 12 a night from these guys. They're going to give you – five and then 18. Um, and therefore, it stands with Davis and, and Holiday. They got to continue to 
put the ball in the basket. They got to continue to make the people around them better, and make sure that these guys are getting their touches so they can stay involved. But more importantly, as a collective group, they have to say to themselves, "We have to defend. We can't outscore. We can't outscore everybody, and we're not outscoring most people on most nights. So we have to get stops. And right now." When it comes down to it, they cannot get stops. All right, so are the, what are they having trouble with on the defensive end? Um, pick and roll, open shots, um, uh, transition defense at times. Teams, you know, I, I, I've heard Alvin Gentry say many times, well, they just shot, they shot the ball great. They shot it really well. Well, yeah, they shot it well, but they're shooting open shots. They're getting too many open looks, and therefore, yes, they have a better chance of shooting the ball well. So, um, you know, I, I think just pick and roll, where to help, how far to help, uh, overhelp. You know, sometimes they overhelp. The guy doesn't need help. I've seen too many times where there's a mismatch on the box and no one goes and gets the ball out of his hands. You got to go. You, you got to go. You got to get into rotation in that in that in that uh, situation. But they don't, and they give up an easy two. You know, to a big versus a, a guard. So I don't know. It, it's it's a it's a it's a big thing because you don't just all of a sudden become a defensive team. The makeup of this team, there are not enough guys who really want to guard, who want to get stopped, takes it personal. Drew Holiday is the best they have on the perimeter. AD is obviously the best they have in size. But not everybody is locked in like that for a long enough period of time that's close to 48 minutes as possible. Fair enough. I'm glad I asked. Um, David Wesley with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, David, it's it's time for our favorite Wesley Wednesday uh, segment. You may know it as, Uh-oh. what the heck is going on in the third quarter? Um, that's kind of become a weekly uh question here for these these pels and it happened again the other night in the loss to utah have you figured it out yet um I, i'm wondering you know are they are they taking naps uh in at halftime are they you know eating food uh you know but it is now 12 games they've won one third quarter um and that was against oklahoma city uh they tied one, but the, I, I can't figure it out. But you can see it. You can feel it in the arena. The energy, which they may start with in the first and second quarter, does not come in the third quarter, and then they try to pick it up after they've given up either a big lead or let a team get out to a big lead. It, it's I don't know. They talk about it. They know about it. Um, and... It's kind of scary how how bad it is. Right now in those 12 games, they're being outscored 355 to 292. It's bad. And I don't know how it gets better if these guys, again, come out with this kind of lackadaisical effort, no sense of urgency. Um, But they did beat the Pacers. 35 to 19 um, to come back from a 14-point deficit. Uh, the first time they faced them, it was a long time ago, but 
there's something. Yep. <laughs> there's a chance. Uh, hey, before I let you go, give me one more quick thought about Indiana as far as the way that you're going to watch the game tonight. What will be very key that you'll have your finger on as the game progresses? Well, I think most important uh, for them, um, Oladipo was sick. Uh, Tolleson has a knee issue. Um, they're 0-6 without Oladipo. They're 0-6 without Oladipo, and when he doesn't play, the difference in the numbers is like eight points. So it's significant if he can play. If he can play to his, you know, up to his, his standards. Um, when he scores 30 or more, which is eight times, they're three and five. So it's not necessarily that he has to kill it. He just has to play well. Um, and can the Pelicans match their energy, you know, Teams that play hard have a chance, but teams that play hard against the Pelicans really have a chance, uh, especially if they can play hard for, for as close to 48 minutes as possible. It's, um, I, I, think it's, I think it's want to. I think it's energy. I think it's effort on most nights when it comes to the Pelicans winning and losing. Well, I just wrote it down. I'm going to watch it along with you tonight. I appreciate it. Excellent. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. David Wesley, Joel Myers, Jen Hale tonight, Fox Sports New Orleans. Coverage starts at 6.30, tip off at 7. We'll have it on the radio as well. Stay with us. We'll talk Saints football. Mike Triplett from ESPN.com in just a moment. David, have a safe and happy rest of your Wednesday, sir. Yeah, i got to get through the parade just to get to the game. So that should be an adventure, and hopefully I get there in one piece. Here's a tip. Leave early. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. I will do that. Hey, I'm just trying to help. All right. We'll be right back. <laughs> What is Squad 6? Squad 6 is every six-man, woman, and child who comes up clutch every time when the game is on the line. They are our full-season ticket holders, an extension of our players, on the court, offering support from the tip-off to the final buzzer. Our full-season ticket holders are more than fans in the stands. They keep the team in flight all day and all night. They are part of the team, and we treat them right, day in and day out, They give us their all, so we give them ours, on and off the court. Squad 6 members fly first class, no questions asked. Only the most dedicated, most celebrated, never decimated fans can call themselves Squad 6 members. Can you? To get off the bench and join Squad 6, visit pelicans.com or call 504-525-HOOP. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Let's talk football here on this Wednesday. We'll uh, wrap up our Black and Blue Report with Mike Triplett from ESPN.com. I mean, they've yet to even have the Super Bowl championship parade, Michael, and we're already looking ahead here for the New Orleans Saints as their offseason is underway. How have you been? I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. Well... I'm sorry about that, but I think we're probably both glad that means we're getting a little bit of relief this time of year. Uh, and pretty soon we'll be ready to uh, to crank it up again. Like by the time OTAs come around, we'll be excited to see this team on the field again, right? Yeah, I think so. And shoot, Combine's just, what, a couple of weeks away. It it happens so fast. It doesn't end. It doesn't no. end, man. <laughs> Mike, when you when – you, 
think about what's what lies ahead here for the Saints. And, and I'm just being very general here. You know, give me the give me the checklist. You said you've been working on the honeydew list. What's the honeydew list for the Saints here right at the jump of the offseason? Well, look, this is one of many reasons for optimism around this team. I mean, not only did they just have a really good season with a lot of young players, but the honeydew list is not very overwhelming for them. Um, obviously, their quarterback, Drew Brees, is an unrestricted free agent, but by all accounts, uh, sounds like that that's going to be uh, amicable and, 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 you know, no worries of him going anywhere. So they'll get that deal done um, at some point, I imagine. Um, and then the rest of the unsigned free agents are not that overwhelming. I mean, there's Kenny Vaccaro, uh, and, and I think there's a realistic fear that they lose him, uh, or, or let somebody outbid them for, for Kenny Vaccaro. But, uh, Senio Calamete is another one. He's been so valuable as a, you know, uh, backup at every offensive line spot, and maybe he would get a chance to start elsewhere. So you could lose a couple of key guys. But for the most part, I think they could retain everybody else they want to retain on the free agent list. They'll have a little money to spend to, I think, go out and, and have a very similar offseason to last year where they kind of spent big on Larry Warford and then made some really shrewd moves in the second and third tiers of free agency with A.J. Klein and Alex Okafor and uh, Ted Ginn Jr. Um, I'm forgetting one other key one, Manti Teo. Um, you know, and, and the guys are still there. I think they can have another offseason like that in free agency. Uh, and they do not have as many draft picks to work with as last year. But uh, but that's okay. They've already got their, their second-round pick in Alvin Kamara. That one worked out okay. <laughs> yeah. No, no doubt. All right, let's take those two things right there then. And, again, we're a little ahead of the game, but it's never too early, I guess, to start – speculating and, and wishing and hoping on some of these things. Uh, Mike, is there a free agent out there that you believe the Saints, much like others, will will really zero in on? Is there a name that comes to mind? Well, I, I don't know about the specific free agents, I, um, and there are a couple names I'll mention here in a minute. I think the two biggest needs for the Saints are, are a pass-catching tight end, and I'm curious to know for sure if Kobe Fleener is going to come back. But even if he does, I think they could really use a pass-catching tight end um, and then front seven help on defense, especially if you don't know about Alex Okafor's health status. He's an unsigned free agent, too, uh, who's coming off an Achilles repair. So I think those are two main areas where they'll look. And obviously we're going to hear a lot of people wondering if it's possible for Jimmy Graham to come back to the Saints because he hasn't been the same without them and they haven't been the same without him. I'm going to file that under long shot because, you know, I don't know how eager he would be to come back here, um, you know, after, after they sent him out of town. And I think he'll still cost a lot of money. I don't know if they're going to spend that kind of money, but, uh, that's the type of free agent they could use. I know Tyler Eifert's in that group, but he's had tons of injuries. Um, but I think that'll be a top priority in free agency, a pass-catching tight end. Uh, and then, you know, Malcolm Butler, they thought about signing him to a blockbuster deal and trading away a late first-round pick for him last year. Um, and now they're obviously going to have to investigate and find out why he didn't get to play in the Super Bowl, and he did not quite have the same year this year that he had earlier in his career. So I don't know if they're still interested in Malcolm Butler, but he is an unrestricted free agent now. So 
uh, be very interested to see if now that he probably won't cost as much, if he's someone they consider in free agency as well. Okay. All right. With regard to the draft, Michael, obviously the last two drafts for Mickey Loomis and Jeff Ireland and them you know, have been not only, I would say, successful, but energizing to the franchise. How do you duplicate that or triplicate that in this sense um, when you have, A, as you mentioned, less picks, and even right off the bat, you're you're picking late first round. So can you get the same bounce off the draft that you have the last two seasons? I don't I don't think there's any way that they can get the same kind of bounce. Um, um, they, they just, you know, unless they're trading like future first round picks or, or, or players like when they traded Brandon Cooks for a first round pick last year. But yeah, the 27th pick in round one, no second rounder. Uh, they do have an extra fifth and an extra sixth from, from the Stefan Anthony and Adrian Peterson trade, so maybe they could package some things together, get up into round two, or get a couple of third rounders. Um, at pick number 27, of course you could find a Michael Thomas type or a Ryan Ramchak type or an Alvin Kamara type all mm. of them, or a Marcus Williams type. All those guys went 27th or later, so you can nail that pick. But, no, I do not think he's going to – uh, come out of this uh, draft class with five starters that uh, that that are all like very good high level starters like last year. I don't think there's any teams out there with 12 picks who can do that. Why should I listen to uh, any of your colleagues at ESPN or any other national pundits who are already saying flowery things about the Saints next season? Look, I love hearing it. You know this. I work uh-huh. for the team, um, but it sure sure seems. Um, surreal to hear something like that i said that look i said that my season wrap-up columns um you know in january that be ready for them to be everybody's darling next year i mean there's such an obvious pick uh to be a team that you know was probably the third best team in the nfc this year um and and young and still on the rise and still have Drew Brees looking good, they're going to be a darling. They're, people are going to pick them to go to the Super Bowl. And it's a little scary because that's what happened in 2014 uh, when they were coming off that breakout 2013 season. I, I, I think, I can't remember what the number was, but I think there was something like 25% of all the like ESPN preseason predictions had the Saints in the Super Bowl that year. And, and that was a young defense that kind of uh, admittedly Drank the Kool-Aid, I think, was a Rob Ryan expression. And, and um, you know, none of them performed up to expectations, and that was a real disappointing season. So, you know, there's going to be the threat of the, the they're the darling team, and they need to stay hungry. But uh, I, I think I think falling short this season and knowing how long it's been since they've been back to the playoffs and knowing nothing is promised is going to keep them pretty grounded and hungry. So I, I think there's reason to be really optimistic. I think the scariest thing, though, is, Man, there are a lot of good teams in the NFC. The Vikings and Rams and Eagles all broke out this year, too. And you've still got scary teams that are going to come back, like the Packers and the Cowboys and the Seahawks. And you've got Jimmy Garoppolo with the Niners. And the NFC South still has the Saints and the Panthers and the Falcons. So there's no free pass into the playoffs this year. No, schedule's going to mean a lot. Anything alarming that you've seen in the, the list of Saints opponents for next fall? We don't have dates and times yet, but we do – at least no opponents at this point. Well, yeah, I was glad to see that uh, Philadelphia is at New Orleans, so they won't make that the uh, Thursday night opener <laughs> at Philadelphia. That could be a real uh, concern for the Saints. Um, no, I, I don't remember 
I'd have to have the schedule in front of me, but I don't remember when I looked at the schedule thinking, oh, man, this is treacherous. I mean, um, they don't play the Patriots. <laughs> they get the Eagles at home. Um, they're back at Minnesota. Um, uh, so, you know, being, being first place in the division – means that uh, you're going to have to play a couple other first place, or actually all three of the first place teams in, in the rest of the NFC. And then, and then obviously you're still in the only division that produced three playoff teams last year, the NFC South. So the, you're not going to look at the schedule and say, oh, they have the easiest schedule in the league, unless they uh, move to the uh, – AFC South all of a sudden before this uh, offseason is over, it's going to be a tough road. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, uh, it should be just fine. <laughs> Good stuff. Michael, um, I appreciate it uh, for the uh, the way-too-early visit, but why not? And uh, all hey. the best to you and the honeydew list and your honey. Oh, thank you. Yes. Thank you. I, I, uh, I found out that there's more hours in the day than I remember every uh-huh. time this year, but uh, also that I'm not a very handy person. Uh, another yearly discovery from Mike Tripwood at ESPN.com <laughs> on the Saints beat. Mike, thanks, uh, and enjoy uh, Mardi Gras next week if you're, if you're capable. All right. Yep. You too, man. All right, there you go. A little Saints talk here on this Wednesday. Nice way to wrap up the Black and Blue Report. Got both sides taken care of. David Wesley and Mike Tripwood, two great guests. You know, two of my favorite guys to talk to, and I'm being totally honest on that front. Um, with that being said, I thoroughly enjoyed having you along as well. We really appreciate you, as always, for taking part of your day or your evening, your workout, whatever, to uh, catch up with us. We'll look forward to tonight's Pelicans-Pacers game at the Smoothie King Center. Don't forget, tomorrow night on your radio, it's the Alvin Gentry Show on WRNO-FM. That's 99.5 FM. Daniel, 6, 6.30? 6.30, thank you. Uh, and we'll have it for you as the Pelicans are traveling to Philadelphia. Yes, the Pelicans are arriving in Philadelphia after the Super Bowl parade tomorrow. I wish us luck. And then a game on Friday and a black and blue report as well. I'm Sean Kelly. Enjoy. Take care. See you next time right here on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans.